0: thanks for tuning in my name is sarah lee and this is the influence watch podcast We've heard a great deal lately about education in America, from discussion about school choice post-COVID lockdown to whether or not curriculum is being developed that helps children learn to succeed at something more than simply activism. My my guest today has a keen interest in education in general and has written a new book called Agency, and the subhead is the four-point plan, which he calls free, which is Fascinating, and we'll talk about that, for all children to overcome the victimhood narrative and discover their pathway to power. Uh, in this book, he lays out strategies to help children learn more about what they can accomplish rather than what holds them back. Please help me welcome Ian Rowe, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute and a senior visiting fellow at the Woodson Center. He is also the founder and CEO of Vertex Partnership Academies, a nonprofit charter school management organization, and they are set to open high school charter schools, I believe, uh, in New York City, and they're facing some pushback already from teachers unions. But Mr. Rowe, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me Sarah. That was that was uh, I'm exhausted just listening to that intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to have the script in front of me. No, and, no, no, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much to you for coming on. I really enjoyed your book. I just want to say that. I thought it was uh, well written. Uh, easy to read, very um, informative, and I, I, I imagine that school students would be able to read it and take some things away from it. Was that your intention?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, I've, I've definitely written the book. Uh, I've designed it in such a way, hopefully, it will improve the lives of young people in the age group, age 12 to 24. But really, it's written to adults who work with young people, because it, it's, it's the adults who oftentimes I find are immersing young people in this kind of narrative of everything they can't do in our society. And I we got to have a mindset shift, even amongst the adults, to, to help young people realize the level of agency that they truly have in their own lives.
0: Okay, so define agency for me, and and then if you would from there define the free framework. I, th- yeah. I thought that was very interesting, very clever. So, so tell me what agency is.
1: Yeah, so I you know I start the book, and first of all, thank you for having me on. This is a great opportunity. Sure. Um, yeah, you know I start the book. You know I've had an incredible career. You know I've run public charter schools in the heart of the South Bronx and Lower East Side of Manhattan for the last decade, and. Before that, I was you know, at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I was at MTV, I worked at the White House, I was at Teach for America. So I've had this amazing career where I've had a chance to really understand what things work with young people and what things don't in terms of really helping them develop a, ca- a capacity in their own, you know, their own ability to lead what I call the self-determined life. And I've really felt in the last couple of years, this accelerated set of narratives that are robbing young people of agency, which I'll define briefly uh, or shortly. And uh, these these kind of two meta narratives, what I call blame the system, and the other is blame the victim. In the blame Mm -hmm. the system narrative, that's a narrative that basically says, if you're not successful in this country it's because America itself is flawed. It's an inherently oppressive nation that based on your, your, your skin color, your gender, your class, the systems are rigged against you. You know, There's a white supremacist lurking on every corner. Capitalism is evil. Um, and these systems are so discriminatory, so powerful that you're powerless to be able to chart your own destiny. But on the other side, it's what I call, and obviously that robs you of agency, right? But on the other side is what I call blame the victim. So if you're not successful in this country, it's not that America's the problem. You're the problem. You know, you didn't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You, you're the architect of your own failure. And of course, the problem with that narrative is that it ignores what happens if a young person may have been born into a, uh, an unstable family, or they don't have a strong faith commitment, or they haven't had access to school choice, it's really hard to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps when that's the beginning in life that you have. So both of these narratives, blame the system and blame the victim, in my view, add up to what I call a singular lie that impedes the ability of young people to have this sense of forward motion in their own life. So I feel it's, Incumbent to then present, okay, Ian, well, you know, what's an empowering alternative? And that's where I put forth this idea of agency and I define agency as the force of your free will guided by moral discernment The force of your free will guided by moral discernment. So so think of agency like a vector or velocity where velocity isn't just speed it's speed and direction. So if each one of us has free will, has the ability to make decisions in our own lives, the question is where does the ability to become morally discerning come from? And that's where I think it doesn't just emerge, it doesn't come out of nowhere, it comes out of an immersion in local mediating institutions that really make the difference for young people. And I think that's family, religion, education. And if you got those first three, then entrepreneurship is usually the last institution that young people can embrace. And I call this framework free. I'm happy to go through uh, each one of the elements, but let me stop there to see if you had any questions or comments on the setup of even the definition of agency.
0: No, I think what we're going to do is we're going to let that uh, we're going to let re- uh, listeners hear that and then buy the book to learn more about it because I think that they should. And also we don't have a ton of time, but the, yes, I, you know, the, those four elements, um, you lay those out in in part three of this book, very, very um, specifically. And, and I mean, I, as I read it, I thought, you know, educators could really make use of this. It was a a very interesting um, idea because it. I think you kind of you kind of address both sides of the political aisle. Which I hate to get into politics because education is bigger than that. But those two arguments: pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, uh, blaming the blaming the victim, I guess that's more on yeah. the conservative side. Like, well, you should be able to do it no matter what. Blaming the system is more on the sort of progressive side, and so you are like they're both kind of. Rock, there's, there's something Correct. else here, yes. A third way, a third way, I think, yes. is what you call it. Um, and and I do think you mentioned uh, you, you talk a lot about this two different worlds mentality that students have where they might be getting the best education because their parents scrimped and saved and got them into uh, either a, a Catholic school or they made use of a, a public charter school, and they're getting those sort of mediating, um, institutional learning in those areas, but then they go home. And maybe their home life is yep. chaotic so how do you talk a little bit about what to do with students like that? Is that partially why you got into the charter school development? Yeah I mean
1: you're absolutely right I mean there are young people who um, who may have incredible talent incredible vision for their own life, but the circumstances in which they're in just make it extremely difficult to, to sort of fulfill um, um, their potential. And so that's why things like school choice or the third, the, you know, the E, the first E in free of education, something like school choice is, is fundamental if we really are concerned with giving young people a shot at the American dream. I mean, in the district in which I run um, schools and I'm opening this new, I'm opening Vertex partnership academies, this international baccalaureate high school on August 22nd in the Bronx only 7% of students that started ninth grade in 2015, four years later, graduated from high school ready for college. You know, think about that for a moment, 7%. That means 93% of those that started um, ninth grade either dropped out or they actually did earn their high school diploma, but still couldn't do math nor reading if without remediation if they were to go to college. So that's an example of, You've, that's a true structural barrier that a kid can't solve him or herself. So in the book, I do put forth ideas on how we can liberate more young people to have better opportunities. As far as the home environment, this is also a, a big deal. But one thing we say that the first F it's not about the family that you're from. It's about the family that you form. So there's great data called the success sequence that says if a student just finishes their high school diploma, then gets a full-time job of any kind, just so they, just so they learn the, the dignity and discipline of work, and then if they have children, marriage first, people who follow those decisions in that order, 97% avoid poverty, and the vast majority enter the middle class or beyond. So this is an example of information I think that should be taught in school, not as a prescriptive set of decisions, but descriptive, meaning that there are different rewards or consequences associated with different series of life decisions. We should trust kids with the information that they're about to make as they enter, make their passageway into young adulthood. These are just some of the ideas within FREE that I think, let's treat young people as future decision makers of their own life. And remind them of the institutions, family, religion, education, and entrepreneurship that can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, I noticed in uh, what what your your uh, your school that you're getting ready to open uh, in August, which I want to talk a little bit about a lawsuit from the United Federation of Teachers. I think uh, a teachers union, one of the sort of driving principles, I guess, um, is this idea of restraint, right? Um, Allowing kids to discover their abilities and their talents without giving in to sort of their own passions and desires, because let's face it, they're kids and kids don't always make great decisions about their lives. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that in relation to, um, you keep mentioning the International Baccalaureate, I know that that's about sort of the Socratic method and things like that. So you're heavy into this idea that you want to teach kids basically how to Mm -hmm. learn, I think, uh, while also being in control of themselves. That seems to be radically different from a lot of the curriculum that's being taught today that we're seeing all over the place that people find problematic. So tell me why you wanted to focus on well, so.
1: You know, again, young people are immersed in a narrative that, in our view, is sort of telling them all the things that they can't do, and worse, the ability to have civil discourse around these issues. I mean, the Knight Foundation just did their annual survey among high school students about the First Amendment and how comfortable young people are expressing themselves and exercising their free speech rights. Based on this most recent study, only 19% of high school students say that they feel comfortable expressing an opinion or a viewpoint that differs than that of their teacher or whatever they perceive to be that of whatever their their fellow classmates believe. Only 19% feel very comfortable. And so we can't have a generation of young people who are terrified to speak their mind. And maybe this is the residual effect of cancel culture and the sort of Chilling effect on speech that you can't disagree. And so, when we were looking at curricula, we wanted to find a world-class model that facilitated this idea of democratic discourse, where you um, you really are able to dive into any particular topic. I mean, in the in- international baccalaureate model, you know, which we're pursuing, there are lots of um, Writing exercises, lots of reading, as you say, the Socratic method where there's a lot of dialogue in the classroom, you have to defend your position, you've got to be able to articulate with evidence, the point that you're trying to make, we feel that this is a world class um, opportunity for, you know, kids who are in environments, again, this is in a district where only 7% of kids are graduating from high school ready for college. So that's what, we, that's what we are trying to um, create and it's why, again, school choice is so important. And, and last point about Vertex is not only is the democratic discourse and really trying to facilitate this whole idea of if, um, high order thinking and critical thinking, at the end of sophomore year, every student will be able to choose their pathway. Either they'll be able to choose the International Baccalaureate Diploma pathway, which is a more traditional college or university pathway, or they'll be able to choose the international baccalaureate careers pathway. And there they'll be able to choose an industry for which they can earn a credential. So imagine uh, at the end of four years of high school, you could have earned a credential in computer science or in phlebotomy, because we're working with the Mayo Clinic right now. That, you know, you could, you'll have an internship while you're in high school during your senior year at a, at a New York hospital, and you could ha- get a job immediately after high school if that's what you so chose. So construction slash architecture, media, computer science, and healthcare will be our first four industries. We think this is the kind of innovation that more and more young people need to get exposed to and that more parents have choice so that they can prove our school or some other school, whatever they feel was best suited for their child.
0: Sounds great. You know, a lot of people, one of the debates about the sort of four-year traditional liberal arts education, which I came out of and, and I loved it. Things have changed since then um, is that, well, maybe we should make trade schools mm-hmm. a little more, uh, you know, something we should promote them more. Let kids think that this isn't a bad idea. You don't have to go to a four-year college. Um, And it sounds like you're kind of embracing some of that. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, unfortunately, if you look at the vast majority of the country does not hold a college degree. Uh, And, you know, the president Mm -hmm. is considering a, you know, a trillion dollar loan forgiveness um, program where you just forgive all this debt. You know, maybe we should ask the question: Why was so much debt taken on in the first place? Why are there so many students that are getting jobs for which they're not, you know, out of college for which they're not earning enough to repay these debts? And it's just the case that a four-year college is not necessarily the right path for everyone. It's not necessarily the thing that you must do right out of high school. And there's a lot of evidence that shows, particularly for young men in low-income communities that getting an industry credential, getting a job right out of high school, they have much higher rates of marriage, much higher rates of, of um, uh, uh, in-marriage um, uh, births, so less non-marital births, less crime, more civic engagement. So there's a lot of evidence that shows that having multiple pathways within the high school setting can be transformative for young people. And for me, you know, that. let's move away from a lot of this rhetoric and the, the blame the system, blame the victim narrative, and focus on strengthening these four core institutions that can actually help young people develop the sense of agency that is so crucial to be successful.
0: Okay, so all of this sounds really good. It sounds like it's coming from a place where you actually are excited to help people learn and move out of bad circumstances if that's their situation or uh, succeed beyond even if they're in good <laughs> situations, just help them succeed in life. So why is the UFT suing you to keep you from opening your school yeah, in New it's, York? it's a
1: bit mind boggling. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting, there's right now a cap on charter schools in New York City. And the unions have fought very hard To ensure that no new growth um, happens in the charter school movement, which is very um, a bummer because, you know, in 2019, there were, I think, 81,000 families that applied to charter schools, but there were only 33,000 seats. You know, just to give you a sense of the level of demand from parents, primarily in low income communities that are desperate to send their kids to a great school. But the one thing that does exist for charter schools is the ability to extend existing charters. So when you get a charter, for example, to start an elementary school, you're granted a charter from kindergarten through fifth grade. And if you do well and you want to start a middle school, then the state says, "Okay, great, you can now extend from K to five to K to eight to eighth grade. Same thing if you do a good job through middle school and you want to start a high school, then you can extend your charter. The state grants you the right to extend from K to 8 to K to 12. So that's what's happened here. Uh, so we, are public prep and BRIA are network, existing networks that have run elementary and middle schools. The state has granted them the right to extend through 12th grade. And just like any other charter organization, they, they can hire an entity like ours, Vertex Partnership Academies, as you said, we're a nonprofit charter management organization. So we run the high school for uh, public prep and BRIA. This, this arrangement is no different than any other charter school that hires a charter management organization to actually run the actual school for them. We think the unions are just um, trying to ensure that there's no growth in the sector, but this only hurts children. It only hurts children. So we've gotten strong... Pro bono council, we feel very confident will prevail, but you know it's 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 a nuisance for sure. But we are determined to bring a world class education into a district in which only seven percent of kids are graduating from high school, ready for college, and this will be almost exclusively low income kids, primarily black and Hispanic. We cannot be um, intimidated by these tactics. We stand for kids and we want to bring a great school into this community.
0: It's awesome. And I know that is, that does sort of seem to be the the thing that happens these days. It's all about intimidation and trying to get people to, you know, cancel them, stop them from doing what they're doing. And you're right. It's a mystery as to why, why a, an organization ostensibly that's working on behalf of children would stop, would try to stop something well, that's doing the same thing. We're not going to allow unlike it. Unlike your organization. Mystery. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. Final question. Um, your personal story is really interesting. You're the son of Jamaican immigrants. Um, you you talk a lot about your family in the book. Um, as you mentioned at the top of this interview, you've worked in a lot of different places, including <laughs> MTV, which I think is just hilarious and great. Um, and and that's informed Absolutely. your approach to success, I'm sure. Just you know, you have this. Yes, this very interesting um, path to where you are. Um, And what I took from the book, and I'm wondering if I, if, if this is something that I would imagine you intended this, intended this, but I, what I took from it is that you are ultimately an optimist when it comes to these things. Uh, You would much prefer to say, these things can be done. Uh, The challenges are not too great to overcome. Um, And is that how you would... Is that what you would tell your students uh, about how to succeed? Not yeah. just in well. The, the reason I life. run
1: schools is because I want my students to know that they can do hard things. You know that there are pathways to success, mm-hmm. and guess what? You know, spoiler alert: you're going to face barriers. <laughs> you know, um, it may be based on your race, it may be based on your class, it may be based on you're short. It may be based on the fact you're tall, whatever. Every single person in life faces a host of challenges. And so what I always want to constantly remind every kid of every race that they have tools within their quiver, you know, to be successful. And that's the whole idea of agency. But I also want to make sure that young people know that they're they're not, they don't have to do this on their own. Agency is individually practiced but socially empowered. And so the idea that they can understand the pillars that are going to make the greatest difference, family, religion, education, and entrepreneurship, we didn't really talk about the religion portion very much, but there there's a lot of research that shows that young people who've developed a personal faith commitment have much lower levels of loneliness, much lower levels of depression, um, higher levels of in-person engagement. They're part of a community. Of people that love them. You know, again, ultimately, every young person has to decide for themselves. But I would much rather young people are growing up in a world marked by hope and agency and optimism and not grievance and dependency and self doubt. And that's why I've written Agency to be this empowering alternative to the narrative that is convincing everything, convincing young people of what they cannot do when we should be spending time on exactly what they have the power to do.
0: love it. It sounds great. So, Mr. Rowe, thank you so much you. for joining us. Um, everyone, you should, yes, sure, you should definitely check out this book, Agency. Um, it, it came out of AEI. I think AEI it's published it. It's actually Temple Press
1: is the publisher. Yeah.
0: Templeton Press. Okay. Um, And like I said, it's the four-point plan for all children to overcome the victimhood narrative and discover their pathway to power. I think even if you're just a parent, you should read it. um, (laughs) There's a lot of good stuff in there. (laughs) Um, So... So that's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have already subscribed, thank you very much. And please do leave us some feedback or give us a five star rating. We welcome all of those things. And once again, thank thank you you so much for joining us.